Why do people find themselves in relationships that aren't good for them? And how does our childhood define what we later call love? Today, I answer these questions in episode nine of On My Mind. Hey everyone and welcome to episode 9 of On My Mind. First things first, I'm so sorry that it's taken me so long to get this podcast out. It's one of those things that I've been sitting down and wanting to do for a few months now. And after the last podcast that was so powerful, I've just been super, super busy. My private practice seems to have uh, taken me to capacity and then I've had a few side projects as well. So... All that to say, it's great to be back at the microphone. It's just me today. There's no guest because I haven't got myself organised enough to get one on here. But I wanted to do a short kind of check-in with you and talk about something interesting that will lead us on to the next podcast, which is a good opportunity for me to say that I'm looking for people to come on and have a chat with me. What's on your mind that you'd like to talk about? It can be anything to do with mental health, emotional well-being, life... Just, just reach out to me. Let me know if you'd like to be on the podcast. I've got all of the equipment, all of the gear, no idea. But no, seriously, I've got all of the equipment to be able to dial people in. So you don't have to be here with me. With me? You don't have to be here with me physically to take part in the podcast. You can actually dial in from wherever you are in the world. I don't mind staying up late or getting up early. If you've got an interesting story that you'd like to tell, or you'd like to share some insights about life, living, if you've had an interesting background, or not an interesting background, if you think you've had a boring background and you want to talk about that, then reach out to me. You can email me at adam at mebeingadam.com, or you can head to Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, reach out to me on those channels, tweet me, Instagram me, I don't know what the term is for Instagram. Just let me know if you want to be on the podcast, because it would be lovely to have some variety. And I'm going to talk, and as much as I do genuinely generally like the sound of my own voice or rather my ego does at least um it would be good to have somebody else to bounce off and talk to because as i sit here now in my apartment looking round i'm becoming very conscious that i look a bit odd i'm just talking into a, a microphone and it is yet to be published so it does feel a bit of a strange concept and now i digress anyway life is good things are going well uh, I'm looking forward to spring. I can't deny that the the weather does have an impact on mood, doesn't it? I don't know what anybody else's thoughts are, but for me, the weather seems to affect me in different ways. I'm trying my best to be mindful. I'm trying to be grateful for uh, the fact that when we have this weather in the UK that's a bit less than satisfactory, let's say, it affords us gratitude for when the sun's shining. And the sun did shine for a couple of days the other day, and it was really, really nice. Talking of gratitude, something that I've been doing since the last podcast, actually, that might be of interest to some of you listening, is a gratitude exercise. So I got this from a guy, I can't remember who it was now, a famous news presenter, had a panic attack live on air. I'll put a link in the bio so that you can go to his website and have a look. I think his name's Matt. He's done some fantastic stuff. And basically, he has come up with this meditation app, but I've not got that far with it yet. 
but I listened to one of his podcasts and he was talking about meditation and gratitude and all this kind of stuff. And the one thing that stood out for me was this gratitude challenge. So he says 21 days, that's how long it takes to sort of get something in uh, to make it habitual. 21 days, every day, think of three things that you're grateful for and why. And he sort of explains the science behind it. I'll do, I'll do a really poor job of explaining it. If you want the full explanation, I suggest that you go to him. I am going to do a separate... Um, podcast on this so I'm going to do a separate sort of video or podcast on gratitude but for now uh, the basics for gratitude are if you think of something that you're grateful for it releases all sorts of lovely hormones in your brain and if you do it repeatedly over time then you start to change your mind so it starts to look out for things to be grateful for so I mean what's not to love so then you start going about your day and you think oh I know that when I go to bed tonight I've got three things that I need to count that I'm grateful for and uh, so I'm looking out for them throughout the day. So that's really, really nice. That's a little tip. I don't know if I've done it any justice. Like I say, look out for, on my feed over the next few weeks and stuff. I'll probably do something about gratitude. But that's not what this podcast is about. This podcast today is to talk about love. Um, and now I sound like a really dodgy DJ. I just need a glass of water. Hold on a second. Needed a big sip there because I'm talking too fast. That's why. I'll slow down for the uh, the main cut and thrust of the podcast. No, today I'm talking about love and something that's on my mind is why are so many people in relationships where they're not happy and the people that are in relationships where they are happy, what's going on for them and what what's the secret to success? And also I'm going to pose some questions for you to have a think about. So let's get started and talk about love. So some basic principles that I, I want to share with you about what I've learned about love and what I've learned through working with people who have had great and difficult relationships is that it seems that we all have what's called a template for love. So we, we all have a, a, an idea of what love is to us. And it's a really kind of I suppose it's a deeply philosophical question when you ask somebody, well, what is love? And if you ask 100 people what love is, you might get sort of similar themes, but I would imagine that everyone's version of love is different. And I, and I got thinking about this, about, so why is that? Because if you read anything spiritual, if you read about Buddhism, if you read into, you know, uh, Christianity, all that kind of stuff, people talk about love being um, something that you can't put words to, love is uh, everything, love is the unquantifiable, love is one, you know, it's, it's uh, love is kind of like not different for different people, love is one thing, I don't know, I'm not articulating that very well, but it just seems like what is this, what is this love that we talk about and why does everybody have such a different version of it? So I started doing a little bit of, of, digging around and asking these questions and one of the things that came up was something called an internal working model by a guy called John Balby. I'm going to double check now, I've got my screen in front of me, it was John Balby wasn't it? Da, da, da. Yeah, John Balby, B-O-W-L-B-Y if anyone's interested in reading his theories. So he was basically a psychoanalyst a bit like Freud and without going through all of the detail of his, his research, which is fairly extensive, he essentially said that the experiences that we have as a child with our caregiver effectively gives us the template for what we believe 
his love later on in life. And I've completely like destroyed his theory. He would probably be very angry if he was alive to say it's not that. It needs more detail. But if you can think about think about some concepts as a child, we have to believe that the people that are entrusted to look after us love us and can do the job. So for most people. Um, that is their natural parents, that is their birth parents. For some people, that's adoptive parents. For some people, that's, you know, gran, auntie, uncle, whatever. Um, and they're also different types of families. But essentially, as a child, you are you are completely reliant on somebody else to look after you. So the mind of the child has to believe that that person that you have sort of identified as being your primary caregiver you have to believe that they can look after you and that, crucially, that they love you. So however they behave sort of starts to define your template of love. So, for example, if you had parents that were particularly inconsistent, so sometimes they were really affectionate towards you, other times you were shut out the room. If you had parents that were... um, you know, particularly abusive in some cases where they were fighting with each other and therefore they were absent and not able to look after you as a child, that sort of becomes your template of what you believe love to be. And it's not uncommon for people to have, who have experienced inconsistent or abusive parenting to go and find later on in lives that they find themselves with an inconsistent or an abusive partner. Of course, there are many reasons why people end up in the relationships that they find themselves in, but that is just one of the reasons. And when you think about it, it kind of makes sense because our parents or our caregivers when we were children are solely responsible for teaching us what it is to love. So as a child, we don't have the filter that we have as an adult. So when we when we get to adulthood, we can look back at our childhood or we can look at a relationship and say, hold on a second, I'm an adult now. I understand that that's not right and that's not what you know true love is. The challenge comes, of course, when something is so deeply ingrained in us as a child where there was no filter, there was no ability to rationalise that. Whilst on the conscious level, we can sort of say to ourselves, you know, that's not right and I can recognise that that's not love and that's not what this is. On a subconscious level, on the sort of the deeper programming level, if you like, that's what we're seeking and we get comfort. So it's really it's really familiar for people to say, do you know what, actually, although there's something that's that I find quite uh, sort of enticing about being with somebody that doesn't treat me well, you know, actually I find it very, very difficult to accept when someone in a relationship treats me with respect, treats me kindly, you know, respects boundaries and all that kind of stuff. Because, again, it's the template of love. So if our template of love was inconsistency, if it was hot and cold, if it was, um, you know, we witnessed our two parents, if two parents were together and they were abusive towards each other, we might believe that, well, you know, our parents must love each other. And if that's what they're demonstrating, then that's what love must be. So later on in life, even though we come to realize that those behaviors aren't necessarily healthy, or they certainly aren't healthy, we go in search of something that kind of mirrors that, that mirrors what we know. And we can find that it becomes almost like some people have said to me that it's more familiar 
to have an inconsistent partner and there's almost some sense of familiarity some sense of comfort because that's a no that's known to them versus somebody that is kind of kind caring available um supportive because that kind of doesn't fit the template and they find themselves really kind of struggling to go hold on a minute you're being kind to me my version of love is that it's inconsistent and you know potentially abusive and so I don't know what to do with your kindness and to me that doesn't feel like love and that's the biggest point in this is you know at the start I sort of talked about what is love and you know everyone has a different version of love and I suppose what I've been sort of thinking about and to coin a phrase what's been on my mind is that I wonder if you know these templates of love in inverted commas are actually very different types of um, relating and, and whether that is actually love because on a very spiritual level I suppose we might say that love is not unkind you know love doesn't punish love holds us gently uh, so if your relationship isn't doing any of those things then can we really say it's love and uh, you know there are so many other reasons that sit around why people firstly navigate towards these difficult relationships and secondly why they stay in them but that was that was something that was really on my mind about um this this concept that we have a template that is given to us by our uh, let me let me use the term parents but let that encompass everything um parental you know whether that was a foster parent an adoptive parent an auntie an uncle a relative you know let me use the term parent so I don't have to keep saying those all those other things every time but the idea that we inherit a template from our parents that teaches us how to love and then even if later in life we recognize that our parenting wasn't the best type of parenting and yet on a subconscious level we go in search of the same I think that's like a really, really powerful um, concept. And I can see from my own history that that's been something that I have potentially been drawn to. You know, I can I can look at relationships in my past and think, hold on a second, you know, they were like this, they were like that, they were like this. Oh, that sounds familiar. You know, so I think... I think it's just a really interesting way of looking at how we how we define love and understanding that you know we had to believe as children we all had to believe that our parents loved us and so whatever was going on either between them and us or between themselves if they were a co-parenting team that that was love and that as a child we didn't have the ability to rationalize and we didn't have the ability to put that through a filter and so stop it going in as a blueprint then we could potentially spend our whole lives trying to move away from these difficult relationships not realizing that there is this pull because we have identified love as something that is potentially as dysfunctional as what we potentially had when we were children i think that's a really really powerful um insight and you know it's something that I've raised with clients in the past and it's resonated um so I I don't know what what do you guys think about that I'd be really interested for people to share 
either privately or publicly with me what their their senses of what I'm saying because it really sort of does it resonated for me um, and it certainly resonated for some people that I've spoken to the second thing of course is okay so I appear to have let's say if you're listening to this you might be saying okay Adam yeah that's great so you've just opened up a whole new insight for me and maybe it's helpful to kind of understand and have that awareness that shit I've got a perhaps a um, an unhealthy template of love and that's why I keep navigating towards these difficult relationships how do I go about changing that and I guess the the answer that I would always give with any kind of personal development is the first step is awareness the first step is having the awareness that that's what's happening because surely without awareness there can be no choice you know if we're not aware that we are doing something then it's automatic and if it's automatic then we don't have a choice over it but if you're listening to this and you're like okay this feels familiar this resonates with me um, maybe I've got this kind of unhealthy template of love. How do I go about changing it? Again, I would say with any change that we try to make to habits, and maybe we could call this a habit, it feels more like a, a template. I think habits are slightly different. Um, but if we want to change a template that is deeply ingrained within our psyche, then the first step is awareness, so becoming aware of that template, becoming aware of that pattern of behavior, becoming aware of that process. And then the second stage is identifying something different. Because in order to, if we don't have an alternative, so if we don't have something different that we can do, the mind will always try and bring us back to what it knows. Because the mind values familiarity over change and, and difference and that's a really important point to know is that you know we have neural pathways in our brain when we that's how we we have to have those neural pathways in our brain because if we had to consciously make every single action in our lives it would be exhausting you know imagine if if when you were driving your car well think of this as an example when you first learned to drive you were consciously changing the gears you were con consciously using the pedals consciously using the the indicators and it it felt quite overwhelming I remember I remember it vividly my first lesson thinking I'm never going to be able to do all of this spontaneously and yet here I am many years later driving from A to B without even thinking about it so it's the same with our patterns of behavior it's the same with our patterns of relating is that they are they become habitual so we have these neural pathways in our brain that have created a certain way of doing things and in order to kind of go against that we have to create a, an alternative and neural pathways are like well-trodden paths you know if you if you were to look in a in a forest or in a woodland area you know you'd look at the paths that are well-trodden you know where's your mind going to want to take you onto the the mud that's kind of like got grass covered or around this neat little path that's well trodden well of course it's going to take you down the path that's that's neatly well trodden and it's the same with our minds so it takes i guess what i'm saying is there's, there's a couple of ingredients to change and this is this is applicable to any change in our lives the first thing is to have the awareness to identify a pattern 
The second is to have an alternative. And the third is to have a discipline so that you can continually remind yourself of your new pattern that you you wish for yourself and you can kind of practice that as many times as possible so that the old path starts to become grown over if we're using the woodland analogy that grass starts to grow and that starts to fade away and your new pathway your new way of being um, is allowed to become the dominant way of being and it takes time it takes habit and that's where things like affirmations things like visualization things like actual taking actual action is really really important because otherwise we will find ourselves just repeating the same patterns and the thing about patterns and the thing about um, what we're talking about today templates of love is that we might not even realize that that template exists because people go from relationship to relationship and the person changes the house might change the job might change the environment might change but I always encourage my clients when I'm working with them to look at the underlying process so let's take away you know let's take away the actors let's take away the set let's take away everything else what's the what's the storyline here and if the storyline is I keep finding myself in relationships that don't make me happy and yet you know consciously I want a happy relationship then maybe there's an opportunity to look at that template and just kind of think back and do a bit of analysis around that and think okay well what was my template of love what was I taught sort of as a as a child and there's loads of interesting ways of looking at that and it's not always direct you know it's not always um, for example a parent that doesn't look after themselves physically or mentally you know if you if you experience that as a child if you experience your parents not looking after themselves then the subconscious message that comes through is if my parents aren't looking after themselves then maybe that's because I'm not worthy of being you know of them being strong strong enough to look after me and so then you're into sort of like the realms of templates templates of not good enough and that kind of thing so there's all these kind of kind of areas that are absolutely worth exploring but this template of love just really resonated with me and I wanted to share it with you today um, and get your thoughts on it and get your your experiences and you know just reach out to me let me know what your what you think about it has it resonated does it mean something to you the great thing about this kind of um, awareness of course is that it can lead to change but change isn't easy and if you have been used to if you do have a template of love that is uh, unhealthy let's say so you you you're listening to this and thinking okay, hold on a minute my template of love isn't great the absolute positive is that you can change you know we have neuroplasticity the brain can rewire itself we know that so there is with with effort and with some, potentially some guidance and with some alternatives in place you can absolutely change the way that your mind works and the way that you think it's possible to do that uh, the downside is that it takes it takes effort. You know, it's like going to the gym. If you want to build up your muscles, you've got to go to the gym regularly. It's the same with the mind. If you want to change your thought processes, then you have to take your mind to the gym regularly. And you can do that moment to moment. The brain will always look for threat. The brain will always 
evolutionary speak evolutionary speaking it will always take us down the negative path so it takes conscious effort to bring us over into a uh, positive frame of mind so there's all that kind of stuff too something that came up just before i did this podcast was a blog from dr david hamilton again i'll put a link in the bio uh, to this podcast because he talks about this very concept he talks about um kindness actually is, is his his main thing but in his blog he talks about the power of visualization and how the brain can't tell the difference between whether something is happening for real or whether we're just playing it over in our mind as an imagined scene so some stuff in there about you know if you want to if you struggle to be loved if you struggle to be in a relationship with somebody who actually treats you kindly and you find that that's sort of an alien environment for you then maybe visualizing yourself in that type of a relationship and feeling comfortable with it and allowing that love to come in could start to open up neural pathways in your brain um there's all these tips all these techniques are available um for people who are wanting to do that work so i'd encourage you to you know if something in this podcast has resonated with you and you feel like you want support with it then you know, i would encourage you to reach out there's plenty of professionals out there that can help you with this kind of stuff me included um i do therapy and life coaching um this is my bread and butter stuff this is the stuff that i'm passionate about but i am it is on my mind a lot recently um, and I think it will be on my mind for a long time that, you know, the things that happened to us all when we were children, when we were young, ultimately impact the way that we relate to the world when we're older, the way that we see the world when we're older, the way that we engage with relationships. And I think, crucially, the first step in any change, in any um, self-development is awareness. We have to have the awareness that we've got a pattern of behavior, that we've got a template, that we've got a way of relating. And as soon as we've got that awareness, we can start to think about how we might change, what's the alternative. And once we've got the alternative, then we can move into a discipline to make the alternative our new reality. The one thing that I would always say as a caution is that if you have gained a level of awareness, so for example, it can be something as simple as a podcast like this that can bring us up to a new level of awareness i know that i listen to podcasts all the time i read things all the time that take my level of awareness higher if you have had that experience either through this podcast or in any other area of your life where you've become aware of a pattern of behavior and you're struggling to change it just be really really kind to yourself you know be grateful that you had the awareness to spot the pattern and be kind enough to yourself to know that changing patterns isn't always easy. But it is possible, but it takes concerted effort. So don't give yourself a hard time. If you've listened to this, you think, oh, God, that's he, it's me. He's talking about me. And how am I going to do this? And uh, you know, I've been going from one relationship to the next. It's just mirrored the same things. Don't be hard on yourself. You know, we are creatures of habit. We have to develop habits to survive. So be grateful that your habits have got you to the point now that you're alive and that you're able to listen to this podcast. Um, but don't be unkind to yourself about change. You know, change is hard work and I respect anybody that goes on that journey. Um, even just by listening to this podcast, clearly you have an intention to improve your yourself to improve your awareness to improve your life and that is a major step so anyway that's it it's just a short podcast I think we're sort of less than half an hour I hope I can't see the timer because I clicked off earlier um but yeah I I'd be interested to know I'll reiterate again if you want to come on the podcast 
then please reach out to me. I am all up for new people coming on and sharing their stories. If this podcast has triggered you in some way and you want to talk it through with me, then great, come and talk about it on the podcast. Or if that just sounds like an awful idea, then just reach out to me and you can go to my website, mebeingadam.com, if you want to schedule a no-obligation phone call with me. There's also an option on there if you want to have a meaningful conversation, you can bung me a few quid and I'll spend 45 minutes talking to you. Um, the reason I do that is because I have to make a living. Um, I'd, I'd love it if I could give all this stuff away for free. This podcast, of course, is free. Um, but if I could give away therapy to the world for free, then I would. But that's not the world we live in is it so head to my website if you want to reach out otherwise goes without saying thanks for listening and look out for more content more guests and more insights coming from me to you over the next few weeks and months i love you all take care of yourselves speak soon I hope you enjoyed that podcast. It's certainly nice to be back behind the microphone. If you enjoyed it, then please like, comment and share. Spread the love. Let people know that I exist. Send them my way. Be my biggest fan. All of that lovely stuff. Seriously though, guys, if any of you want to be on the podcast, then you know how to get hold of me. But in the meantime, as ever, take care. Go lightly. Be kind to yourselves. Much love.